It's February 15th, 2021. This is Rook. He is one of the most dynamic and inventive multidisciplinary artists in the diaspora today. He's the guy behind several famous music videos from Nam Ju to Kiosk to Shaheen Najafi, and his filmmaking and photography put him in a class all his own. But many folks around the world would know Mustafa Heravi from his popular Instagram account these days, where he posts riveting visual commentaries from politics to pop culture. A feature interview with the talented and charming Mustafa Heravi joining me from Amsterdam coming up. Plus, we've got your letters of the week and no shortage of opinions. This is Conversations from, to, and about the Iranian diaspora. I'm Gian Gomeshi. This is Rook. Hi there, welcome to episode number 85 of Rook, coming to you from Toronto, thinking of you across the universe, hoping you are keeping well wherever you are tuning in from around the world. Salam, Dustana Aziz, Durud Bashaman, Khoshomadin, hello Groovy Shaya. Hi, hi. Hello the fabulous Keon. Hello Jian. Happy Family Day to those of you in some parts of Canada. Happy President's Day to those of you in America. Keon, happy President's Day to you. Yes, thank you. As an American, do you gather pictures of your favorite presidents yes, and we, we, say prayers we pay and homage to the president i see really? past and present no it a, no i'm it, kidding no, i mean is it is it a, a, a is it an official day presidency yes day? i yeah. didn't just make that up it's president's oh, day oh yeah. wow I, mm-hmm. wow interesting shy's <laughs> excited about it <laughs> yes shockingly uh, for some strange uh, reason you 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 kneel and you Look at some picture. I don't know what you do. I mean, on we don't Day. do anything. Let's <laughs> <laughs> just acknowledge it. We're, we're on a happy, happy. happy, yes, happy to everybody. Hopefully, uh, we're on an ongoing mission to build a new audiovisual encyclopedia of Iranian diaspora identity. We are coming to you on SoundCloud, on Instagram, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, Castbox, Telegram. Uh, as of last week, we have launched our Patron Circle page. This is really exciting for us. Rookmedia.com. You go to the support us button. If you like our content, we are asking you to support Rook and keep our content as ad-free as possible. We have a whole bunch of patrons. We already. do. Did you yes, know that? I do. I've been following. Uh, including some rock stars. So for $50 Ooh. a month, you get rock star status with us. For 100 you, you become a hero. 250 you get you become a Rook legend. Today, I want to give a shout out to a new rock star, uh, a guy named Adele Sataripur. Sataripur. Sat. How do you know? <laughs> maybe it's the way I said it. Yeah, maybe. Maybe Sataripur. Yeah, but I think Sataripur. <laughs> Adel Sataripur, who is in the UAE. Wow. Oh. Coming to us from the UAE with his rock star uh, uh, patron status now. Isn't that nice? That's really cool. Yeah. Adel Sataripur. Oh, uh-huh. Did I say Adele? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Adele, a real rock star. She's, <laughs> <laughs> she's taking some time off her touring to sponsor Rook. Yeah, sorry about that. Of course, it's Adele. 
Adil Satoripur. Exactly. He's stepping up from the UAE to support Rook. The and least I can do is get his name right. <laughs> He's also got a two minutes of airtime already here. Adele. Adel Adel Satoripur Yes We are grateful to you um, By the way For signing up As our patron which, which you can do For as little as Five bucks a month Or ten bucks a month You get some exclusive Rook access And merchandise Keon Yes, yeah, okay. yes, we are, <laughs> we do. <laughs> and the chance to support a community-based program. Uh, we really use your help, and we don't uh, we don't want to turn this into one big commercial. So mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate the patrons coming our way. Rokmedia.com. Thank you again, Adel Satoripur. Wow. Hey, happy belated Valentine's Day to you, Shia Jun. Thank you. What I'm sorry me? I didn't. Well, let me start with Shia. Okay, okay. He's my true love. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's the best. He's the best ever. Uh, did you have a nice weekend? Yes, I. Yes, I did. Also, Chikoria. Let uh, me get to Chikoria. I want to. Okay. I want to talk about Chikoria because you're right. Well, well, actually, we can talk about it right now. Okay. You know, Chikoria, the the legendary jazz pianist, yes. died at the end of last week. We didn't get a chance to talk about him on the show, but uh, both you and I were fans. Yes. Uh, you're you're a piano player, so uh, you know the magic that this, that oh. this musician would make. Yes. You want to say something about uh, Chik- the, the the great Iranian piano piano player Chikoria? Actually. I want to recommend to people to watch his uh, last footage, you know, when he playing piano and he, of course, he's improvising. And the way he ends his improvisation is really amazing. It's like a baby who's playing with, you know, water yeah. in the ocean. And it's really amazing. Did you see my social media post about him? Yeah, I did. Because uh, he did that. I was talking about how about 10 years ago I'd interviewed him and I was in a studio, the studio we used to have had a big grand piano in it. And he's Chick Corea and I, I didn't, I felt a bit, you know, I, I wasn't sure if I should ask him, could you want to play for us? I mean, he's a legend. You know. But I said, would you feel like playing the piano? This is live, live radio across Canada and it was being beamed around the world. And so he goes, okay, you know, sure. And he starts playing. First, he started. It had the open. Uh, what do you call it when the the piano uh, the cover is open? Uh, the, 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 the door of <laughs> the door of the piano. I don't think it's called the door. Keon, what's it called? I have no idea. Uh, you guys right, are the music guys. Okay, the, well, you, you remember pianos? <laughs> piano. 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 Anyway, that, so yeah. he put his hands inside the piano. He started there, making some sounds, plucking away, and. And then he slowly moves behind the stool and he starts, anyway, he starts playing the piano and it was the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. And then it starts to get dark and then it goes, it's really soft, then it's heavy and then he's doing, and it's just this epic piece that goes on and on. I mean, it's live and he just keeps playing and it ends up being around 20 minutes long. Uh, when he's finished, he comes and sits down, and I, I, I imagine, you know, because I'm, I'm a jazz fan, but I, I'm not an aficionado. I don't know all of his back catalog mm-hmm. or whatever. So I figured this is some famous Chick Corea piece that he's playing, you know, because it was just so brilliant. Mm-hmm. It was, it was beautiful. It was involved all these melodies and intricate sort of turns, and you know, 
And so I say to him, what was that? That was gorgeous. Like, what was that piece you played? And he starts chuckling. And I'm like, what? And he says, I was just making stuff up, man. You know, he he was just improvising the whole time. He's been, I saw in some of the uh, the obituaries of Chick Corea that he was called the greatest improvisationalist of all time. And, and I, you know, had the chance to see that. I mean, it was just remarkable stuff, this guy. You are so fortunate. To have been in that room. Yes. Yeah. You know, what do we, um, by the way, Savvy Roham is nearby. I should mention that Captain Reza, speaking of Valentine's Day, is away on a romantic so retreat. So heard. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Savvy Roham is uh, sitting there at the at the board. Uh, uh, Savvy Roham, do, do, hi. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Hello. Hello. <laughs> Why do Who's uh, there? You know, you know when you're talking to your relatives, especially if they're in Iran, I and pull they still my hair out. they still think they have to yell, you know, because like for, like the, the line is really clear now. Like yeah. you're on WhatsApp or something. Hello, Ziadu, hello. So Savvy Roham, what do we say in Farsi? To uh, how do you say Chick Korea? Same Chick Korea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Chick Korea. Chick Korea. Yeah. Because my, I don't know if, um, I mean, he's generations before us, but there was a, a dancer, and an American movie star, a big star named Gene Kelly. Do you mm-hmm. guys know Gene oh, Kelly? I love Gene Kelly. Right, American in Paris, uh, uh, mm-hmm. uh, singing in the rain, right? Yeah, singing yeah, in the rain. Yeah. And my parents, I guess my dad, like growing up in Iran, or this is like way back to the 1950s, right? 1950s and early 60s, they would see Gene Kelly movies and they loved Gene Kelly. But they would say it really fast, like Jingeli, and then <laughs> his name became Jingeli. <laughs> you know, so when I was growing up, I thought like, uh, you know, un Jingeli. You know, and I was like, who's Jingeli? <laughs> so I thought maybe Chick Korea had a similar uh, moniker you know, of some kind. I suppose not. Uh, how was your Valentine's Day, Kian? It was swell. I mean, I, I, I that's it. I'll just right. leave you, it there. Just, okay. <laughs> swell is good. You know good? what's funny? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to. Th- I grew up with brothers, so I used to think that I didn't care for that stuff. Oh, like Valentine's Day, it's a made-up holiday. But when you get into a relationship, that all changes. It's like, oh, where's my Valentine's Day? And so what happened? So I... I <laughs> he didn't I, deliver? I the doctor fight, didn't... Uh, I know, I started a fight the day before Valentine's Day. I'm like, oh, you probably didn't do anything. Oh, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and this well, You were guy, preemptively angry. Yeah, I was yeah. preemptively That's angry, nice assuming you, yeah. that he wasn't going to do you anything. You really are a high girlfriend. I think it's a per- Persian girls man. I thought I was different, but it turns out I'm just like mm-hmm. all the I am not, a, I'm not loose, your average Persian girl. Very loose, very daddy's girls. We're so all, what did you, what exactly did, did you say to him? He did nothing wrong. He did everything right. Uh, you know, flowers, jewelry, the works. Cook, flowers cook and jewelry. jewelry. And cook yeah. dinner. Yeah, sweet Ooh. guy. And he but cooked I started, dinner. <laughs> I started, what did you do? I did nothing. <laughs> well, but listen, you were mad at him. A, I was mad at him the day uh, before. Guys, it's like this guy's a saint. He is a saint. I'm telling this. you, he's putting up with the a monster. So, so, <laughs> you're not a monster. <laughs> starts fighting. You, he hit the jackpot. He's yeah, got you. That's but uh, maybe you could go a little easier on him. Uh, so what? So so exactly what happens? You you say that. So Valentine's Day was yesterday. It was Sunday. Yeah. So Saturday. So Saturday. You say. I think it was the tone. Like he was just being very nonchalant about it. It was like, oh, you. 
probably didn't do anything for Valentine's Day. You said so that. So I created this whole narrative in my head, like <laughs> on the verge of tears. And then the day comes. Like and you literally crazy. started a fight. Like with I, I, like I was upset. <laughs> I was upset so for no we, reason. Why, why would you do that? What's I don't know. I'm insane. No, girls, no. Persian girls in general. I don't know. If, I don't know if she should throw all the Persian girls out of the bus. <laughs> I know. I'm generalizing. I think, I think I'm maybe general. this is a <laughs> little it's just me. extreme. <laughs> yeah. So you, in anticipation that he may not do enough, <laughs> mm-hmm. you decide to get mad. Yes. How right. how does he deal with that? Because I don't a therapist. I think. No, no, no. I mean, did he fight back or does he? No, go, he's it's a okay, sweet guy. Exam, he's, you know. he's very patient, and I wow. don't know why he deals with me. Jeez, <laughs> I'd be giving back the jewelry. Be like, Hang on a second, I gotta gotta make a just throw flowers. I, I gotta take a trip. Go. I'll be back in a minute. Happy Effie, <laughs> having Valentine's. Can I give this back? No, sir. You bought that. To <laughs> Yeah, oh, well, that's very lovely. I know, that's, I know. Uh, How was uh, your Valentine's Day? Uh, it was great. I can't complain. I had a really lovely weekend. I uh, And also, I did uh, a bunch of reading. I, I, I made pesto from scratch. Oh, mm-hmm. Some good pesto. Arsenal won a big game. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and I was listening to a lot of Chick Corea mm. a lot on the weekend. Yeah. Uh, I was saying, uh, Savvy Roham, did you have a nice weekend? Yeah. You're uh, married, right? Yeah. So, it, well, yeah. Do you feel obliged to do something for Valentine's Day? Uh, we never do anything like um, we don't buy stuff, but we had. Lucky uh, you're not married to Keon. <laughs> <laughs> but we had that goes nice for every person <laughs> in the world. Right? Yeah. We don't buy stuff. <laughs> Just be like, not. It doesn't sound like that'll go over. Yeah, with we don't do that. But um, we had a nice dinner and the candles all over the Aww. house. and uh, Yeah. That's lovely. Listen, you guys, uh, I know Savvy Roam, you're an artist yourself. This uh, Mustafa Hiravi, oh I, I can't wait to, to talk to him. He is, I mean, I, I've been following him on Instagram. He is such an interesting artist. I mean, I guess, Chai or, or Roham, how would you know him first? Would you know him from his music videos, maybe? or Actually, yes, I know him from one of the videos that he made for Namju, uh. and I, I really loved it, and after that, I marked him as an, you know, very uh, talented, creative artist. Right, right, right. And uh, Savvy Roham, you probably know him yeah, uh, from his work as well, from right? From the, the music video he made for Shaheen Najafi. Najafi, uh, yeah. He's, uh, and, and Keon, you probably don't know him as well, but no. he is, uh, this guy, I mean, I, I don't know what to entirely to expect, but uh, we're going to go live to Amsterdam in just a few minutes, and he is just such an interesting artist. Um, he... He is uh, fearless in the sense that some of his work is quite political, but uh, it's of all kinds of different stripes of political. Uh, And um, he's very inventive. He is truly multidisciplinary. So I've seen him do he was kind of doing an interview series at one point too. He's interviewing people in the car, in the car yeah. and then he, but he's also, he's done these paintings, but he's a photographer. He's a video maker. He's working on a, a film right now about censorship in Iran. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I, I guess we should get to him. Um, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, I know we have a bunch of letters, right? Yes. Yes. Uh, as, as expected, yeah. just a mixed bag. And we're, and there, there's people fighting over the definition of azade. <laughs> well, not fighting, okay. but yes, there's but giving some, us different, yeah, yeah, giving us different suggestions. Right. Yeah, we'll okay. get we'll get to that. Uh, we'll get to all of this. Uh, Savvy Roham, uh, Groovy Shy, <laughs> the fabulous Keon. Stick around. Let's get to our feature guest. 
Uh, my featured guest today is a renowned photographer, visual artist, and video maker who is known for his social critical and satirical approach. You may have seen him his work online or on Instagram where he takes difficult or political subject matter and uses images to juxtapose ideas and make commentary. A few days ago, say, he posted images of fashion models juxtaposed onto armed Taliban fighters, or say Rouhani, Putin, and Erdogan holding hands amidst rubble and destruction in Syria. Mostafa Heravi was born in Mashhad, Iran. He pursued painting and calligraphy in the presence of a number of master artists from his early childhood. Mostafa left Iran for good in the year 2000 and moved to Netherlands. He graduated from the Gerrit Rietveld Academy in Visual Arts in Amsterdam in 2007 and has worked as an independent artist ever since. Now, most people will know him from his popular Instagram page, as I say, or his controversial photographic art or his memorable music videos for the likes of Shaheen Najafi, Mohsen Namju, and Kiosk, and his latest short film, It Was Five in the Morning, which was shown throughout Europe. Mostafa is currently making a feature documentary on censorship in Iran, but first, right now, Mostafa Heravi joins us from Amsterdam. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Thank you for having me in your interview. I'm I'm so happy to get to talk to you. You're such an interesting artist. You know, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to know where to start with you because you you are just where it starts. You're gonna have some just, relaxed chat just go, just go. Yeah, just I mean, go. you you but you're a creator in so many different fields. Like you are a true multidisciplinary artist. But I hear from the beginning of the pandemic, you have started to learn a totally new artistic skill, which is making cheese. So, <laughs> So, how is the cheese making going? You know, um, when the pandemic started, I was um, thinking, what should I do? In the first, first I think, two weeks, I start um, to make all this collage and photograph stuff. And honestly, I start to get bored. I said, now I have to do something else. So, I start to send an email to different farms in my area for asking volunteer works. And then uh, some of them, of course, they don't react. I didn't even reply to my email. And then one, which <laughs> is the same farm which I'm working now, they send me, they reply to my email and ask me to come and then we can have a talk. And then- uh, Hang on a second, H- hang on a second. You randomly started emailing farms yeah. to say, yeah. can I- <laughs> Yeah, just because I didn't know what should I do, and then okay. everyone yeah. was closed. Right? Why not go to a farm and hang out with yeah, the cows? Exactly. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then, uh, and the guy, the, actually, the owner is um, is, is almost seventy, seventy five. He's a very nice, very decent man, and they have a farm for almost three hundred years, and. They owner this farm, and his son now is now uh, the ne- next generation, which is now the owner. And then uh, the day I, I've been there, the father was there, and I started to talk to him one and a half meter distance because I couldn't come close. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and then we started to chat, and then uh, he said, "Well, you want to start?" I said, "I don't know. I just want to do something. Let me do something." And then the first day he asked me go and uh, <laughs> do something, and then. Um, so it started, and then suddenly, I, I remember, yeah, and then um, there is a lady, which she is the master of the master of the cheese making. Uh-huh. And then uh, she needs some help, and then she asked me, can you come and then please help me for just 
for something I been there and then we, I help her and I looked uh, to and I said uh, how did it work here and I said do you want to come and give me a hand sometime I said why not and then suddenly it start and then after a year, <laughs> year almost a year now I'm so, working as a cheese maker so, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean we didn't book you as a cheese maker but uh, this this may be you've, you've topped all your other artworks this uh, I mean are, are you good at making cheese is the cheese good uh, you know the funny thing is uh, before I go to the cheese making I didn't know anything about cheese of course I eat cheese I right. love to eat cheese but uh, it was not like um, to go and learn or, or, or discover new stuff it was like a uh, cheese is cheese okay so, yeah yeah of course but you know that the cheese in the country like in, in France is very big thing yeah they have all kind of cheese and yes different way of to make it and then she started to teach me hey, how to make the good cheese because this farm where i work and they have a very very fam famous cheese and they make the cheese like you know compared to like a camembert and brie oh kind of okay cheese yeah, yeah. and um it's a funny because the whole the whole the process of making the cheese and and and, and to add uh, the bacteria and to add uh, and all this stuff is really nice to you you need to have a really good timing with, with the temperature with it's, everything is very connecting to each other to make really really good uh, juicy cheese <laughs> okay yeah really you, 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 oh, do, you, you, do you know how to really make do you know do you know how to make any kind of cheese can you make a panita tabriz now or or do you have to no, 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 you know the thing is because uh, Tabriz, you know the Tabriz cheese, this is a kind of, they call it here, a feta. Yes, sheep, it's sheep, a feta cheese. You're, you're a goat yeah. or sheep, yeah. Yeah, it's a feta cheese. And, and the funny thing is, in the farm where I'm working, they are also a sheep farm. They, are, they don't have a cow. They have a, oh, okay. a 700, 700 uh, um, sheep. And the funny thing is that they are one of the biggest uh, farm in Netherlands because in Netherlands, you have most of the farm, they have a uh, cow mostly, and sometimes you have also goats, but not sheep. But this is the, really one of the biggest uh, that they have sheep. And it was very, for me, it was also very surprising that they have so many sheep. <laughs> and it's nice to be between them, you know? <laughs> how, how do you get along with the sheep? Are they, for, for, do you have a good relationship with the sheep? Yeah, yeah of course, you know, uh, they are very, you know, for somehow they are smarter than you think, actually. <laughs> you know why I said they are smarter? Because uh -huh. when, when you when you go to the their place, you know, when they the first time they are really scared and they're going to run away. But after a few times, when you come, they start to annoy you. Uh -huh. When you come, they don't go around. They stay and just staring at you, but they don't <laughs> scare. Yeah, just staring at you and just walk away and they right. just they know you following you. Yeah, yeah, they're following you. Do the do and the people just, who are running this farm know that you're a well-known uh, <laughs> uh, political no, uh, no, artist, no. Iranian artist? Like, <laughs> no, do they have they any idea <laughs> who's tending their sheep and making cheese? No, no, they don't <laughs> even know what I'm doing. This is this is the, Actually, the best story it, it, I've it, ever heard. Yeah, I didn't even uh, care to tell them, and they don't even not interest to ask me what you're doing. So they didn't they say are, where did you come from? Why do you have a ponytail? Yeah, of course. Who are, yeah. The okay. only thing they asked me um, 
asked why you want to come here and what you did past. And I didn't really say I'm a filmmaker or photographer. The only thing I said, because I have nothing to do, I want to be useful. I want to do something with my hands. That's why I come here. And because they are also organic farms, so they don't okay. let normal people every time come in. Because, well, they are really precise for what they made. And they are really nice with their animals. And, yeah. and sounds like, they, sounds they like are, It sounds like you stumbled onto a good farm. This is a, this is really is a nice place because um, it's is really close to Amsterdam and somehow and then after if you just it's really on the border of Amsterdam it's, it's not so far from where I live and also when you just cycle because we go you know in the Netherlands we all cycling everywhere I just go with bike it's I see so you don't you're, you're not living at the farm with the sheep you you go back and no forth. yeah I cannot unfortunately I cannot live there but I wish I could. <laughs> you know, uh, I mean, I'm having so much fun talking about the cheese, but but let me just segue into what you do, because I, I'm curious, you know, you are such an interesting multifaceted <laughs> artist. No, I mean, really, the things you do from photography to video making to short films to, to visual art, in a way, I mean, I don't want to be too sophisticated about it. Maybe you've just decided to do something different, but is this adventure of the last few months of the last year do you almost feel like it's another kind of moment of art for you in in terms of making the cheese and and uh, this particular diversion mm, somehow you can say it yes 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 somehow and ask me why the reason is um why you know because uh yeah why <laughs> <laughs> there has to be some reason you know our background as artists when, when you're talking about arts and doesn't matter what kind of area what kind of particular way is always people they want to have more um, give more uh, value to the people who work with the hands in the way if you are a photographer like an analog photographer with that kind of background and if you are the filmmaker with the analog filmmaker or if you are a painter you, you you work uh, with the stuff on your painting and the people are like they want to give you more value for what you do you know yes it's a kind of uh, i don't know how it's come because maybe in the past it was like this but now in these days we live in digital world you know and and I, and I think as artists, um, the way you can talk to the people, you know, the fastest way is to react on the, the situation of the things happening in, in, in the daily life. Yes. Is, is, I think it's a digital work. So it doesn't matter if it's about photography, filming, using your phone, or anyway, anywhere you can do and anything what you can use yes. for. That's why I think... Um, That's very different from making cheese. Exactly. And I think the last year, the pandemic situation and with the social media next to it, I think that the best way for me as artists is to use in, in, in digital world to speak and talk with, with the audience. Yes. Uh, of course, it was a good moment for me, of course. Yeah, yeah the, the, the work at the farm and the bicycling back and forth and the, the making the cheese hasn't slowed you in terms of your digital footprint. And, no. And, and, and let me actually start there, um, uh, if, if we can start uh, 15 minutes into the interview after talking about cheese. But, but I mean, I had to hear about the cheese. Uh, your, your Instagram page, I want to start out, because that, that, that is where a lot of people these days know you from. And the art, the pictures that you post, 
oftentimes, um, Mustafa, they, they, you know, they pack a punch with a very serious message. You recently posted a picture of a refugee walking down a catwalk in front of a crowd that would be assembled for, say, a fashion show in a high-end city. And you, and you wrote, today the world is witnessing the highest number of registered refugees. Statistics show that by the end of 2018, 71 million people from around the world had been forced to leave their homeland due to, to exactly. war or oppression. Uh, that post alone, for example, has been seen and liked by thousands of people. Tell me about the process of coming up with with that post, for example, that image, and deciding this is what I'm going to do today. Oh, um, yeah. How, did, how should I explain this? Um, I think for me, it's um, it looks like this. You know, when when I woke up, when I wake up, and then I start to just scroll in my telephone and reading the news and uh, yes watching some stuff and um, this is the way I start the day and then and sometimes in the beginning of the day and then I just see the normal image just the normal image and then it's come in my head is like um, um, an idea hey mm-hmm. you have to do something with this image mm-hmm. and that image about that package of that uh, refugees uh, work uh, it was the image of uh, the young boy and, and refugee which he was uh, walking alone next to the other people and then i was uh, reading the, the newspaper and watching him and i thought hey maybe i should do something about refugees and then uh, i just just googled some information how is with the refugees and what's going on and then the funny thing is, but not funny in the sense of fun. It was like, hey, it's, it's a funny accident that now I was looking for the picture of refugee. Now I found out is now the 10th anniversary of the uh, Syrian war. Then I can make the work about both of them. So I start first to make uh, the war works, but when I was searching for the pictures and, and online, and then I find the work of uh, refugees. So I just post first the refugees' work, and after that, I post the the war situation. But the the the, the Mustafa Heravi part of it, I mean, <laughs> is that it's always there's a certain juxtaposition that you always introduce. So it seems for so it's not. I mean, a lot of people, I think, very nobly, especially with as large a following as you have, would post a picture of a refugee, whether they'd taken it or not, and write a passage saying hey let's remember these refugees or let's try and change the world you post that picture but then you put that person on a catwalk at a fashion show um so it's the juxtaposition that makes it so riveting is that something that you always look for in other words would you not be satisfied by just posting the picture of the refugee i see no 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 this this is uh you know um the thing is i always from the beginning of when I know who I am. <laughs> For me, it was always, I have to find a different way to speak. Whether uh, in, in my school, rather in, in, in normal relationship, and now in my art. So I always find a different language to speak. Because I think if I use just normal way of speaking, then there is nothing to interest people, to, to wow people. Mm-hmm. When I started studying in art school, before that, I was a painter, just regular, normal painter. I was painting flowers and uh, mounting beautiful sunshine. 
There was nothing wrong with that, but right. I, it didn't make me satisfied. You know, it didn't make me happy. It was like a technique and, and figurative stuff. And I missed something. What I missed, I was, it was something I couldn't explain to someone. It was something I missed it as a person. So I started to, to read and, and, and research what should I do to find something to make me happy. And I started, hey, there is art, and it's that arts school which they can teach you how to be an artist as a conceptual artist. Okay. And it was something new for me, conceptual artist. What is this then? And I start uh, to to apply for different schools. So that I discovered my school, and 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 I find this concept, and the, and the concept was something I missed it in my work as artist. And then, of course, I use a different medium now, and I, I discovered a new medium. It was photography and film. And then, during my study, I, I never really. Uh, needed to make a work about Iran or something, or about my past, but s somehow always come to my work, you know, I always uh, make yes. something about Iran, but it, it, somehow I couldn't escape from it. Yes. And, 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 and teachers always talking, you know, it's good, to, in the beginning they were really um, angry about it, in the beginning, you know, because I was too busy, I was too um, um, traditional, and most of the men they really they hated about it was symbolic, and they told me most if you want to be a good artist, forget the symbolic, be a conceptual artist, and I couldn't understand what does it mean, mm. <laughs> what is the difference between symbolic and, and concept, and after four years, finally I could understand what was the concept. And I said, okay, now I know what's the concept. I have to make the work which I can speak to more people, not only the Iranian, you know? Yes, although, uh, sorry to cut you off, let, let me just, um, there's a couple of things about that as you're talking that I, I specifically want to ask you about. First of all, um, just sticking with with this realm, uh, the the side of you that is the person who is posting on Instagram and doing this conceptual art, this sometimes satirical, sometimes interesting juxtapositions, sometimes political. You are seemingly fearless in terms of what you post, um, or and and usually very blunt when it comes to your politics. I mean, one of your latest posts, you just referenced it when you were talking about the uh, anniversary of the Syrian uh, um, uh, situation, that you have a post with Rouhani, Putin, and Assad shaking hands in front of rubble and ruins in, in Syria. Um, but just when I think, oh, okay, so this is an ideological guy, he's a left-wing person who's just posting this. Then you have Joe Biden as a cardboard cutout. <laughs> you know, um, So uh, it's... It seems to me there's a lot of bandwidth there for all kinds of people to take issue with you or not be happy with you, you know? And, no, of course not. But you don't, I'm, I'm going to assume that when you're posting these things, you don't worry about that. You post what you feel, what comes to you, right? You know, John, it's not about what I'm not worried about. It's about this is my work, you know? I am an artist. I cannot, I cannot... You know, they can censor me in Iran or they can forbid me to do this stuff, but I cannot do to myself, you know. I can say, you know, I have to be um, careful, I have to be more precise and do this, do that. But, you know, one thing is I don't judge them. Ah. That I said, you're bad, you're, you're good. I just show them the world, you know. I didn't make any judgment about anything. 
I make the world, and I, I, I just but, combine but them together. You, you don't think Joe Biden as a cardboard cutout is a is a judgment? It's dependent on you how you look and how to um, interpret it of my uh -huh. work, you know, because I, I the interpretation of any artwork is is in, in your hand because it, it is about your what is your knowledge, what is your background, how you interpret it. But it's not that I, I want to say you have to look at it this way or if you have to look at that way. I don't say this is black or white. I just show the work, and it's, this is you that you decide how you want to look to this for. Fair enough. I think that's not just uh, honorable, but I think it's excellent. But I'm also curious that you are... Um, it's so interesting to me what you do because I'm so used to Persian artists and Persian filmmakers, partly as a product, to be fair to them, uh, of coming out of a system where they were banned or censored or whatever. But I'm so used to Persian artists being so allegorical, you know? <laughs> I'm going to draw a balloon, and the balloon represents, you know, the fact that the nation could blow up any time. Exactly. Yeah. And you're, 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 not sub, you're not subtle. Like, you're, you're like, it's, it's, you know, you you go right to what we're what you're trying to express. There's no allegorical symbolic balloon. No, there's no. You know, you know the problem is with symbolic in art is because symbol they didn't write written the symbol thing. It is just they have told from the father to the father and then from father to the nation. So if we don't live in that country of that culture and then we move to new culture and new area, they don't know that language. You know. When you talk about uh, the symbol, they don't know any. They don't know about it. They, they, they don't have the, the background. So that's what that's the problem. You know, when we in in Iranian culture, in our culture, when we talk about, uh, for example, about an anar, a pomegranate, right? Everybody said love. You know, <laughs> right, right, right. Of course, we know this language. We know this is our culture. It is the symbol of love in our culture, and we know it, but. The person who live in 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 Netherlands or in in the U.S. they don't have these symbols. You're absolutely right. So you're you know? saying that if you posted, for example, um, if you're talking about that Syrian uh, situation, the the ruins and the rubble, um, and where you've got Rouhani and Putin and Assad, yeah. if you did that in a symbolic way, it would likely be lost on Western audiences. Is what exactly. You're Interesting. It, it, sometimes it's nice to to use a symbol, but I think it's good for. The audience, which they don't, they have that background. They know that language, and and, and I think sometimes it's also difficult to to speak with that language with which people they don't know that that language. I mean, the symbolic language. I, it's so true. It's so true that uh, it, it it there are things that Persians, that Iranians um, understand in terms of symbolism. That, exactly. That even me as an Iranian, but as someone who grew up outside of Iran, I don't get right away. You know, I sort exactly. of go, "What does that mean?" And they go, "It's obvious, isn't it? The the blue sky yes. means you know." And I'm like, "Oh, yeah, okay, exactly." Uh, you, you know, you're fascinating because if I were to look at you, this like Khoshtip guy with the <laughs> the indie beard and the long hair and the you know he's a cool photographer and everything i would just guess you're some urban guy who grew up in a privileged way your story and your background is 
it's crazy. I, I would have never guessed this until I was doing the research. And you know, so I so I want to ask you about your background. First of all, first things first. You were born in Mashhad. You were actually born into a a pretty religious conservative family from uh, early childhood. And they you were encouraged to take up drawing, but it was also uh, reciting the Quran and uh, calligraphy. Exactly. Uh, what was little Mustafa like growing up in uh, in Mashhad? Um. What should I tell? Because this this story getting so long. And <laughs> oh, just 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 tell me what if if I met you as a five five year old, what would what kind of kid would I be meeting? Oh no! If, if about when I was five, I was like a, a child okay. did a lot of dream. And but if you if you see me as a fifteen years old, okay. then it's a completely different story because uh, what you said. I um, was growing in very religious and, and families. Still, my families were religious, and um, I was a rebel. There was something about me in myself I couldn't understand. And, and, and I think the one one of the most important thing that made me rebel because the area where we lived, we were living in the very poor and, and very southern Mashhad, and it was very. There was nothing happened, and, and it was a war time. It was a, a time that Iran was in a war situation, and it was nothing to do there. And then I was looking for something to discover. And then funny thing is, uh, in one day, it was uh, we, we had a neighbors, and these neighbors they had a, a bus which they uh, traveled from Iran to Turkey, and then that was their job. And then every time they was coming back from the Turkey and they start to wash the, the bus in, on the street. And then sometimes they throw everything from the bus in the street. And then I suddenly find an, an tape, you know, in the old tape. And I was really curious about that tape, what's going to be inside this tape. So mm. after searching for a tape player, I could listen to that. It was the music of the, the band Keats. At that day, I didn't know anything about the music. Which which band? Know. What was the band? Kiss, Kiss. Oh, Kiss. Oh, okay, Kiss. Yeah, 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 Kiss. Yeah. Yeah, kiss. <laughs> and then, and, and that day, I didn't know a bit anything about uh, the band or the music. It was really eye opener for me. It was a new world. <laughs> that kind of thing did something to me to start to discover new world, and I just completely change my way from my family to, to the way I thought maybe it's going to be better or better for me. You started painting your face and sticking out your tongue, I guess. Jack and, yeah, I, exactly <laughs> that kind of thing. And, but the, the, I tell you, the day I found the, the tape, uh, nobody knows in my area who, who are they or what kind of music is. Nobody knows about it. Actually, I found out about them 10 years after that. And he, when I was twenty-five, right, right. Finally, I know you thought you had you thought you had discovered Kiss. You were the only person who, had, who knew yeah, about Kiss. Because, you know, because it, nobody knows. It was you know it, it, the only thing they were listening there was Javad Yasseria, Abbas Khadiri, that kind of music. You know, it's this foreign language which nobody knows, and then what they are doing. Either no one had interest about it, but it was always in my head: who are they and what are doing. That's so after, interesting. That yeah, is. after ten years, I found out there is a. After that, you know, I moved and I went to 
India, I travel, I, got, I started to discover a new world. And then finally, I found out they are rock band, which they live in the United States, and they all do <laughs> yeah. kind of crazy stuff. And, and then I find also, finally, the video, and I could see all the shows, and I, I discovered them. But, you know, maybe that, that kind of smart trick, that kind of thing maybe tricked me to, to, to do something different. You wouldn't have been the first kid uh, inspired to be a, reb- a rebel by the band Kiss. Uh, th- yeah, that's, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's a, uh, so, um, and by the way, so you're studying painting and calligraphy and the Quran from in childhood, but then you, you become a hairdresser for a while. You're a, a, Exactly. A, <laughs> which is a natural evolution. Were you a good hairdresser? Um. I, I cannot say I'm very good, but I'm, I'm good to earn money. To I was good. Yeah, Are you I a better hairdresser good. or cheesemaker? For sure, I'm a better hairdresser. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Come on, I, I did this for uh, for the decades. Oh, oh, wow. Oh, I didn't know it was that long. Okay. Yeah, it wasn't, for, it wasn't just yeah, on a farm for job. a year during a pandemic. That was no, your, the, uh, no. The cheese is during the pandemic. Yes, I mean, yes, uh, the barber. Yes, I, no, I know you were a barber in Mashhad, uh, but I yeah. didn't know it was ten years. Wow. Okay, so that's that was a serious part of. Uh, uh, um, uh, well, you must be good then, and 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 around that time, this is before you hit your mid twenties. You mentioned India. I I understand that you traveled to India a few times. <laughs> <laughs> once you wanted to, I mean, the thing about you, man, is once you start digging beneath the surface, you're a fucking, you're a, there's a, there's a gold you know, mine of stories with listen, you. I, so you want to, you wanted to go to India on a camel and you went exactly, to buy some camels. I, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell you this story. When I, when I remember that days, I always start to laugh. Nope. Tell, let me tell you. It was a time I really want to travel. Okay, you know, it was a time we there was a program which was uh, showing on the TV. It was a um, Silk Road. It was about Marco Polo. Yes, uh, I was really inspired by this um, series, and I always watch it. And I had a lot of <laughs> dream about it. And I, <coughs> sorry. COVID There was a group of uh, guy who was traveling with the camel to China and they was traveling via my city Mashhad and they were staying there and, and, and for a couple of days and it wasn't news. I was really so inspired. I said I have to go to meet them. Sure. So I went there and I find them there was an Italian guy, Dutch guy, and I was looking to them. I said, I have to do the same. <laughs> I was like 19 or 20 or something. And uh, so, of course, they left, and it was a really memorable moment for me. So I decided I'm going to quit my job, and I go to Tabaz, and I'm going to buy a few camels, <laughs> and then I start <laughs> my journey. <laughs> You're gonna t- you're gonna buy a camel. What, what was the plan? The plan was to buy some yeah, camels to, to and then ride camel. ride the camels to India. No, to China. To t- <laughs> <laughs> this this is in sorry. This is in like the 1990s. <laughs> it's in 90 exactly. Yeah, 
And then, by the way, did you did you did any of your friends or family know about these crazy ideas? Yeah, I know, I know. But when I start to tell everybody, start to laugh because they know <laughs> I was in a complete different world. <laughs> okay, I went to the Tabas. Tabas is the province. It is a the state <coughs> next to our city. Okay, I had some address which they <coughs> sell the camel, but it was not exactly. So I've asked many people on the road. The final, I want the right places. <laughs> and I went there and I asked, <coughs> asked the owner for, uh, for the camel. I, I really need you to take a breath. I really want yeah, you to. I, wait, I want you to. It's, yeah, don't, don't worry about it. Take a, take a moment. I don't know uh, what happened. <coughs> After you're, having just, a, uh, you're having an allergic reaction to remembering the, yeah. camel, the camels, I think. Yeah. I think now is better. Excuse yeah. me, man. Sorry for uh, no, no, it's okay. So you there's a, there's a small there's a town near Mashhad where you can get camels. Yes. Is that yeah, yeah? It's not near Mashhad. It's it's like four or five hundred kilometers from from the Mashhad. Okay, it's uh, that area like Tabaz, Pirjan. They have always a camel. And but uh, the funny thing was, uh, I went there and I was so enthusiastic about what I'm doing, and the guy, the owner of the the place. Uh, he asked me what you want. I said I, I. I just went there with a taxi. I took the taxi in the in the city, and that area was out of the city. It was uh, like in the neighborhood. It's a neighborhood that was not really in the city. And then we, I went with the taxi there. And then uh, the owner asked me what you're doing here. I said I come to buy a camel. He was looking at me. <laughs> he wanted to start to laugh, but he didn't. And I said, okay, which one you want? I said to show me what you have. I was really serious, and then he I, I love, by, by the way, I love that you took a taxi to uh, yes. to, to buy a camel to ride the camel to China. <laughs> and then uh, he started to walk with me, and then the, all the guy was they were working there, and they were all asking to say they were this, doing this guy here, and okay, and I was from the city, you know, at the time I was really like uh, they call it, you know, in Farsi, I don't know what's in English, you know, like a. <laughs> we call it in Farsi susul, <laughs> like 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 sort of a sissy or like a mama, mama's boy. <laughs> yeah, I I've been there and then uh, the owner said, uh, "How how many camel you want?" I said, uh, "List three, but they tell me how much it costs. Uh, I have to check. Uh, I have enough money, and then I can decide." And then he he, g- he gave me the price, and I saw yeah, I have not enough money, so I, and finally I choose two camel. Okay, um, can I just ask you? I both. Why, why do you need two camels to ride to China? Could because you, uh, could you not just <laughs> save a bit of money? <laughs> and ride the one? reason is yeah. is the other no. camel to carry things? Is that I, yeah, exactly? Okay. Because uh, the first of all, the loose nice is more professional, <laughs> and then. <laughs> Of course, it's more nice, man. Who, cool guys who are you trying there. to impress? <laughs> that it looks. I, I maybe myself. I didn't know. I, I didn't care about it. You know, I want right, to do something right. okay. different. I want to yes. do something. It looks nice. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. I just bought these two camel and I give them a name, and I was so happy. And the guy said, "Hey, listen, if you what were the names of the camels? I don't remember, but oh, I know okay. one was. Right. The, I gave them a name, Tale. You know, like a like a trap kind of. Yeah, trap, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tyler, yeah. I just call it trap. Yeah, Tr- exactly. Trap. <laughs> okay. The one was trap, the other one I forget. Uh, but doesn't matter the name. You know, the, the funny part is here. 
Oh, this the wasn't guy, the funny part. We haven't no. got to the funny part. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the guy, he, he sold, he, 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 he sold me, but he said, you don't have to pay me, but you have to stay with this camera to know you. Because if you want to travel them, you have to stay with them. They have to use it <sighs> that you are now the honor. It's like a child. They have to acclimatize to you before exactly, you can adopt Exactly, exactly. Right, and yeah. then you can be the honor and they trust you and then you can start to... Wasn't <laughs> okay. nice? So I, I really literally sleep there in, in that place, you know, in Istanbul. With the camels? With the camels yeah. for three nights. Right. And then... <laughs> The all, the all these people <laughs> with Talia and the other camel, yeah, yeah, exactly. Who, who, and that, who you were gonna go to China with, exactly. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> this is so, it's so crazy. I think people are starting to No, I think actually it's clear this is a true story because no one could make this shit up. So keep going. So <laughs> yeah, you're, you're with the camel. People are li listening to this guy. <laughs> Yeah, something. They, they now understand your art a lot better, I think. Uh, so you know, and, <laughs> and then the guy after three days come because I was really getting really close to these animals, and it was like <laughs> we had some relations already, you know. And I said, "This journey going to be my journey," you know. I was right. really into it, and then the guy come. You had bonded brought, with you had bonded with the camels. <laughs> exactly, oh, our yeah. bond was really. Yes. I feel it. It was really close. It was really something unique. Yes. He, the guy, he, he was like 60 or something. He came to me and then uh, he, he sat next to me and then he, he had also a cup of tea and then he gave to me and then we started drinking and then he said, I will tell you something. I said, yes. He said, the day that you came here, <laughs> you are so enthusiastic and so pure. I didn't want to disappoint you. <laughs> And I really didn't know that you are so serious. I said, what do you want to say? I said, honestly, these cameras are not for traveling. They are for, <laughs> for eating. For you eating? Slot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you cannot even walk for 100 meters. I said, what are you talking? I said, these camels are not for traveling. We just have them. We bring them here and then we feed them to finally go to the Slots to, uh, to, oh. to for the. I said, "What are you talking about?" They were they were it's, meant to be killed for food. Exactly. And so said, you, they, this is Talia and the other camel that you've now grown a relationship with too, and you're you're, yeah, you're planning your like, trip to China. Yeah, they, they, they really they, they they just the guy who he he bought my my whole dream and and I said, "What do you mean? Where can I find a good camel?" <laughs> <laughs> he was laughing. He said, I thought you were joking. He said, no, man, I'm not joking. I'm serious. He said, I don't know, but there has to be some other places where they have really come here for traveling. Can, can, I just add, can, can I just ask you a question here? Did you really, I mean, so the idea was you didn't just want to go to China or go to India. It was important <laughs> to go by camel. Uh, really, what was the reason why you... I mean, I know the Marco Polo, the Silk Road, I, but it, it, w was it really that important to, to, to be riding a camel and have a second camel? Honestly, I that, that day, I didn't know what I'm, I'm doing. It's still, I don't know. <laughs> Honestly. 
but you, I, I, but I you were deep in negotiations for camels somewhere yeah, in, in Iran. Was, yeah, yeah, I know. It, it is so easy as what I'm talking, but it's <laughs> it was some idea, and I want to make it happen. Right. Okay. You know, it was not about this is right or is not right, or is happening or not. So <laughs> what what, what happened to, to the what happened to our two friends, the camels that you had slept with? Yeah, I left them. I was really you know the moment I left that place, I was really sad, and I just took the the bus, and then for six hours back to my city, and then I was like uh, someone love is. Uh, <laughs> his love and I was ready for a couple of days uh, very down and then I start to, to say you know what uh, forget the camel I'm going to go with walk to India and I start to, to traveling to India and to Pakistan and wait it, you're going to go how to India? not exactly walking I went with the bus to the to Zahedan and then from Zahedan to to the border and then from border I start to hike each hike and then hiking to the wow to, to Delhi yeah. it was very it was very useful for me at that days yeah it was I learned a lot what did you learn like what did the, you learn from these trips to India the, I think the most important thing um, for me was um, I was with myself you know it was me and me mm -hmm. And, and, and I didn't have any worry about the life and future and what's going to happen to me. It was just me. And I was eating what it was possible and what I could find. And it was beautiful. It was, everything was pure and, and real. Hmm. And, and, and that, you know, that experiment was beautiful. You know, I, could, I, cannot, I, I don't want to say it was very spiritual. Yeah, maybe it was a spiritual, actually. Because I don't want to go to that way, you know, make it like uh, I am out of it. No, it was not like this. It was like a more something for myself, you know. I could finally, when I was in the age of 20, and maybe one of the reasons also I was out of Iran and I had no, any like the problem. By the way, have you, have you ever told the camel story before? I mean, mm, in an interview? Not so much. No, I, this I could, is the first I, time. The, I, I, I watched a bunch of your interviews. I, well, of course, they, they're never. in Farsi, but I don't remember any camel no. stories. That's an incredible Even. story. Uh, very sad <laughs> story I, uh, that uh, Tale and the other camel have long been eaten by some uh, of um, course. somebody. <laughs> sure. 25 years ago. <laughs> yes. So around 2000, I guess the year 2000, you, you finally decide to leave Iran for good after, I guess... Um, uh, knowing that you like to travel and you and you um but but what was the precipitant for leaving iran why was it important for you to finally leave mm, i think that those days i had a lot of um problem with um with the, with the government i can i can say because they always uh, when i was walking the street or if i was finished with my work and something I was always, um, you know, I always had some feeling of somebody watching me, you know. And then I, I remember it was a day, uh, it was a night. I was finished my work and, uh, and I was waiting for the taxi. And then there was a car that stopped in front of me, sit, sit. And I was like, uh, what's going on? And the guy said to me, you know, you, you think you're different and while we are watching you, be careful with what you're doing, that kind of stuff. You know, it was like, uh, I didn't like the way I was talking. Sure. 
uh, uh, said no, I cannot live like this. Mustafa, was your was your art by this point getting censored in Iran? Uh, you know, at that day, I was really, I was painting, and I was really serious about it, and um, but I was not so far in the sense of uh, to know what I'm doing. Uh huh. You weren't Maruf yet. No, not not only that. But also, I didn't myself as a person. I was still searching. Uh huh. So, 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 so when you, um, when if one of the reasons you left Iran was because of the nature of censorship of art, it wasn't necessarily that you were getting censored. It was the suppressive kind of atmosphere in general. Exactly, the, the, the whole suppression was maybe the pro, the reason I left the country. Yeah, you end up going to Netherlands, and again, this is an extraordinary story that <laughs> that, that doesn't involve camels, but I. Um, it involves you. I mean, first you you go to Tajikistan, where you end up staying for five months in Tajikistan. <laughs> what were you doing there? Why oh, you ask me that kind of thing? <laughs> <laughs> this is your life, man. You know, it is because we make it short. The funny thing is, I went to Tajikistan and I signed uh, as a keeper in the football team and soccer team <laughs> so listen forget making movies you are the you, the movie has to be made about you so were you in a was it a professional league that you become i knew this story of course well, that's why i'm asking you about tajikistan but um, i'd been tipped off to this so so you you start playing professional soccer in tajikistan i was playing in iran uh, semi-professional football player i was a football i was a keeper i was a goalkeeper uh-huh. and i was not really good but i was good not really good if if they asked me you were good uh, now i was okay but when i went to tajikistan because i was waiting there to find the, the way to go from there to to europe uh, i feel like i get here really bored i have to do something with my life and i have to wait here and it was a very strange time because um, the country was uh, just uh, past the, the, the war and, and it was everything was demolished and it was crazy. And um, one day I was uh, jogging in, on the street and then I discovered the, the stadium and I went inside the stadium <laughs> and I see the team, they were playing football and I said, hey, I have to do this. Right, right. And I went to the coach, I said, I'm a keeper, can I come play here? And the guy who said, you know which we are? And that was the best team of Tajikistan, you know, they, the team was called Barzab. Barzab was like the Paris police and the Stahlal of Iran, you know, that kind of. Uh-huh. And the guy said, are you so good? I said, no, you can try me and I can hear and then we can see. And I said, come and I start uh, the train with them. He said, no, you're good enough. And I was the second keeper. And there is a very funny story, but I don't want to tell here because people have said, this guy, he, he really used something. That's <laughs> I, because the story is also so crazy. If I tell it here, everybody <laughs> says, no, this guy is crazy. Well, okay. what, what's, the, what's the short form of the story? It was so crazy that uh, if I, the short uh, version is um, I really want to play uh, once with the team but because i was second keeper they never let me to play so finally uh-huh. i get the chance to show myself as a keeper and it was a match between the two best 
team of Tajikistan. Varzabit, another team that was something in the in the north, and then they were. Uh, You're, are you I being think, paid? You've been hired now. By yeah, I was uh, hired. Yeah, I uh -huh. was uh, the first of all. I was training there, and they, they liked my style, and they liked my keeper because they had only one keeper. And they said, if you want, you can stay here. We just make a sign with you for three months, and then you can't play for us. And I was like, happy. Why not? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I started playing football suddenly from nowhere. And then, uh, and this story is like this. I was hoping one day they give me the chance which I can show myself I am a good keeper. And then that day come. And the day come, and I was sitting on the... And sit, and then the, the keeper, which he was a good keeper, and he gets uh, injured, and then he's left the play. And the coach asked me, "Most now is now the the time that you can shine." I said, "Nice, I can finally show I'm a good keeper." <laughs> right. And then I went to the goal, and I was really happy. Now finally, I can show my skills, and then how, how good I am. And then the funny thing is, well, the play was starting. We were like 25 minutes or something left. And then suddenly, the whole stadium, <clears throat> they stood up. And the, 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 all the doors get open. And the, the, there is a tank. And, and all the cars come in the middle of the, the, the field. Oh. And I did, what was going on here? And it was a guy. His name was Samandar Khan. He come <laughs> very mad and he, speak, he spoke to the, to the both coaches and to the referee and everybody was <laughs> still and then the, the, the tanks all went uh, out of the field and I was like, what's going on here? And the guy, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 the middle field, our captain, he, he come to me, he said, Mosh, because they are also far Persian and Farsi, you know, they touch yes, Farsi. Yes. And, and he said to me, you know, what's going on? I said, no. He said, you know that guy is standing there? I said, no, he said, this is Samandar Khan. I said, okay, who is he? He said, he's the owner of the field. <laughs> he's the owner of the team. He said, what's going on? He said, he wants to see the, the play from the beginning. He's too late. That's why he asked oh me to start it from the beginning. <laughs> so, the, so the game had to be restarted? Restarted from the beginning again. <laughs> And I was like, okay. I said, what is the problem? Is the problem is he wanted to play himself also. <laughs> oh, and he wanted to play. Did he play goal? Did he replace you? <laughs> so the guy went to the room. <laughs> he changed. And he come back <laughs> with a number in the back, 10. It was the number 10. Okay. <laughs> he's the striker. He's the, he's the main man. <laughs> he was a striker. Yeah. I was like standing there. The whole these three months, I was hoping for this moment. I ruined my. <laughs> <laughs> but wait, but you were it? still you were still in the game, though, right? Yeah, but when uh, he came, uh, there was no more game. It was like, uh, what is this? <laughs> the whole play have to start from the beginning. <laughs> right, and right. What kind of league is this? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, so the story is. I mean, I'm almost scared to ask you this story, but you're you're en route to Netherlands, and you end up going. Once you finally leave Tajikistan, you go through Turkey, Greece, Italy, France, and you are arrested a few times as you uh, in the process of getting to Netherlands. Why were you arrested? I didn't arrest a few times, but uh, I arrested. But the reason is because. Um, 
we crossed the border illegally, you know. Uh, why why didn't you apply for a visa to Netherlands? By the way, why, no, we why? didn't get you didn't get a visa that okay. time. Still not. So, so where where was it that you got arrested? Which which place? Uh, many refugees. They come from um, different countries like Iran, Afghanistan, and Pakistan, and all the countries in that area. They just come through Turkey to Europe. They just come first to Turkey, and then they cross the border via the Greece. Yes. And then from Greece, either with a truck or with ship, they just travel to, to Europe to do the, they come to the Schengen. Like yes, and then yes. that's the way. It is everybody use it and I did it the same way. And the, the, the most you know that the most difficult part is uh, the part from Turkey to Greece because uh, there is a the reveal which is sometimes is very um, rough and and heavy that you cannot cross if you don't if you cannot swim and really is dangerous and there are many people they lost their life there and it's a very sad place and sad situation it's, i don't know these days but i hold it's almost the same you know the last two twenty years is all the same i think there's not nothing changed but the, the way that's happened is still the same the same situation. Right, right. Uh, there must have been times on this journey that you thought you would never make it to Netherlands between uh, your 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 momentary football career in Tajikistan and your your detainment and your issues. When you arrive in Netherlands, uh, from what I understand, you had to live in a refugee camp or more than one refugee yes. camp. Yeah. Uh, yes. Tell me about that. Tell me about the experience. Of this is not theoretical now. This is not an artist imagining what it's like to be a refugee. This is you living in refugee camps. What kind of Mustafa impact did that have on your character? Uh, I think for every person, you know, if every Iranian of even it's not about Iranian, every human being, of course it has a lot of impact on your life and your way of thinking even in your future and um, for me i you know i'm always looking i have to see this situation even as a problem as opportunity and i was in the camp and uh, and i was uh, looking and searching for the way out of this the whole situation. Of course, I couldn't because uh, th that days the Dutch government they didn't give very, very, very fast and permit, and not uh, because I was asked. I asked and then the asyl, and they didn't give me. They even reject me, and I uh, I start to live in the street, and but not literally. I sh should go to the street, but of course, I found the friends and start to live with them, and then the same time. I was not give up. I said I have to move on, and there has to be hope. And I start to to go to apply for the university and art schools. And I get to the art school, which I was already rejected mm. <laughs> from the being in Netherlands, and I was studying there. It had a lot of impact because it was really not good days because, you know, always think anytime maybe they come and then they catch you and they send you back to your country where you come from. But at the same time, I was always hoping or, or was thought, no, it's not going to happen because 
I am now here. I have to stay here. And uh, I, finally, I graduated in 2007. And the same year, it was a kind of rule in the whole country, which the people are coming from back in 2000. And before that, they get, uh, it was a kind of, um, they call it a general pardon. It was like a rule. And uh, everybody get free to stay in Netherlands and they get a Dutch citizen. And I was lucky one of that person. Oh. How, Finally. How, how did it affect your art, that that period of being a, of living, think, in, li- living in refugee camps? It was really, it happened so many crazy things there. And, and they are all, for me, they, most of them, they are like a, a piece of uh, art, which you can also even make a movie about them. I think at that time I was not really so active artist as artist because most of the time I was thinking to be survived and to live here and right. I was really busy literally and physically to, to survive to stay there and the art was in, in, in back of my head but it was not really visible in my life. And when I started art school because uh, Three years, it took me time to, to enter into the art school. And did that three days, three years, I was searching and I was busy to, to find a place to, to, to establish myself as a person, as a human in the country. And suddenly, uh, in terms of the university, it was like a hope. It was like something new for me. And I was thinking, I was told to myself, you know, you have to be a good artist. <laughs> that when you left this school, people are talking about you. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> So I was, I was doing my best. The whole four years of studying, I was doing all kind of crazy stuff which I could, and I hope I did something which I was proud for. Of course, still. You yeah. know, you you don't seem like someone who, um, now that I'm talking to you, at least you don't seem like someone who cares a lot about material rewards. No, no. <laughs> I mean, you're not doing what you do to make to live in a castle or to you know have some upscale penthouse in paris or something um and i wonder if that's partly because i mean look you're a guy who's decided to make cheese for the last uh, year and and as you ride your bicycle there do you think that's partly because of all that you've been through that that you um that you've somehow realized that life is not about the acquisition of um fancy objects that some Iranians are, tend to be so consumed by, let alone people from the rest of the world as well. But we do tend to be a culture that likes uh, our BMWs and that type of thing, you know? You know, Jian, uh, to be honest with you, if I can earn money today, like a million, I wish to have, of course, I, w- I want and I wish to have an, an big car and a villa, my private jet. Uh, I, I, if I could, I did it for sure. Okay. But it was never the queen of my mind. It was never in my mind to to leave or make something to reach to that. No, it was not my goal. I think always my goal was to to earn money to live, to earn money to ha- have uh, money to to go to the vacation, to right, buy the right. stuff what you need. But it was not like uh, I have to be a rich man that people are look to me and said, "Look, this guy is rich." No, and then still not. But I have to say, if I can reach to that position to earn that money, I will do it. But mm-hmm. it's never and it's not still my attention. 
how did you become the go-to guy for so many prominent alternative artists in the Persian music scene to be the music video maker? I mean, you, <laughs> you've made some of the best-known videos when it comes to contemporary Persian alternative music. I don't know what else to call it. They, this is These are artists who are well-known but are not down-the-middle pop artists, for example. I'm talking about Shahi Najafi or Mohsen Namju oh. or the video for Yaron Bia by Kiosk. How did you become the guy who's at the center of all of that? Mm, <clears throat> I think the motion of the thing was the lack of having a good music video and also the passion of the love of music myself. Both of this is a combination of this because uh, the most of the video, the, the past, they, there is no concept, there is no any content. It is a, is, is an, is a collage of image of, of the singer, of vocalist, of, of the band which they play in the background and they don't play it, they don't even plug the, the mic in the, right. the microphone. And that, it still they does, they have the same things and they think people, they don't know. And it was for me always a frustration. I said, Come on, people, we are not stupid. If you want to play or you want to make a video, make it like real. Right. Why are they, why would we hear uh, the violin in, 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 in the video and the, 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 there is no violin? Why the guy is, <laughs> yeah, check, check. The guy who play a tabla or he, he's playing in, in a crazy rock drum. And in the music, we hear, and then I was like, where is this sound that they are playing? But it's not just that. I mean, Iranian videos, I don't want to, of course, there's fantastic exceptions to the rule. But I think of Pishtar Ahmad by Ali Azimi. But in general, the videos have not been so inspiring, not just coming out of Iran, of course, where it's difficult maybe to make that kind of, but even the stuff coming out of L.A., why 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 not? Why why hasn't that been something that uh, Iranian artists or that the Iranians have, haven't been better at? I, I I cannot talk about them because they have to explain themselves. But in my view, in my opinion, was because I think most of the artists, especially the artists or musician, which to move to LA. <laughs> they were so busy to, to first of all to find the position or place for themselves, and second of all they were not busy with, uh, with the concept or uh, or, or the what's going on around. If you look <laughs> in the music, what they made in in the forty years, in the last forty years, honestly, come on, it's, it's beautiful. I, I don't have a problem with that, but you don't see any really music with the concept or with the content is all beautiful we need them also when you are we want to be happy we will go to the party we need them but 90 percent of the music with this this is the content and this is right. the way they made it's right. the pop, 10 percent is yeah. very you know very cheeky and music which they have done so many times and they still done and of course many people love to hear it and they want to have it there is not there is another problem, but 
for people for me at that time you know 10 15 years ago it was like there has to be some change it has to be different image it has to be something different sound that we need to you know because the the day when I was living here, I never listened to any Iranian music. It's not something to which I'm proud about it. Mm. Um, because it was not the music I was hoping. And, you know, some kind of like uh, Farhad of Feydun Furuhi or sometimes a kind of guy that was nice of Kurush uh, Ahmad. I was listening to the kind of. But further than this, they didn't, they didn't make any connection to the Iranian music, you know. And then suddenly in, in 2000, it started a new generation, a new happening. It was like, uh, at that time, they call it uh, underground music start. And then all the kind of band, like, uh, at that time, they weren't really the beginner, or they were uh, the first stop. Uh, they were like Ohom, like Hash, like uh, uh, that days, they were the, the beginning of that kind of music. And then a few years later, the bands like a Mod or... Uh, uh, Rosie Sharp, they were also the beginning, and for me it was something fresh, it was something which I was waiting for, and Mohsen, at that time, Mohsen Dovju, he was playing with the band The Mod, with Abdi Behrander and four other guys, which they have also, they own, they have their own band, and Mohsen was playing with them, and the first time I was, uh, I heard the music of uh, uh, their music, it was 2003 or four. And it was uh, the concert which they give uh, in, in uh, Birgen. And, and the first time I, I, I just heard or I just saw the image, it was for me like, wow, finally it could start to happen, you know? <sighs> and that, uh, at the, it was like uh, something new for me. I, and I was an artist and I hoped that now I can do something with this. I want to make a video about this. I want to change the, the whole view of the situation because why? When we have the music, and then it has to be so stupid. It has to be something maybe nice, the story, we parallel with this, and the telling, and the bringing something new world. And then finally, we met, I met Mohsen um, in 2006 or seven in Amsterdam. He was coming to Amsterdam for the International Film Festival. It was, and we met each other there. And I remember I told him, I told him, I said, Mohsen, I am, really love to make something with you and then he said let's do and then he went to iran and after five months again he back to netherlands and, and the day that he came back again to netherlands it was really the same with the time that it was the green movement in iran you know yes. the, the election problem and then and i remember we were sitting with a few friends and then we were watching and the cnn the, the news and then mostly looked to me and said most he said yeah he said let's do something so what do you mean? He said, let's we make some video and then we just dedicate it to the people who just uh, died on the street. I said, let's do it. And then at that day, we made the first video together and that video called Biaban. And it was in 2008, I think, yeah. And it was the beginning. And then the moment that we did, we start uh, that video, it was like something also for me. And then... After that, I, I, I met the Yarum Bia, and then we made the Gladiator Hall, which was three, two years after that, and then, and then it starts, and then I start to, 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 to make all the idea in my head, to bring them into songs. Most of the time, is my own interpretation about the song. It's not sometimes literally the songs. Is, right, right. It's really my interpretation. So I, I listen to the whole song, and I 
sometimes I just took the piece of the song and I make the whole image, yes. the whole story. About yeah, there's that. a video you made for Shahi Najafi last year that's in, uh, shot in India that uh, yeah, exactly. he, he's not even in it. It's uh, it's no, uh, yeah. That video also about the JSA in India is is more. Uh, it's, it's not religious. It's not. Um, it's it's more my interpretation about that song. You know, as a combining with the song and and the image and that's that's the whole thing. So of will, course, will you it, make a video for anyone? Uh, if I mean, of you, you've got these big names, but if if a young band comes to you and and has a course. has a budget, you would do it. Uh, you know, the most of these videos, I never ask about the money, what you want to pay me, or how many, how much you have. It's us. It's all about the love of the, the art and the music. You know, when when I they send me the, the, the demo or the song, and I, if I like the song or, or I have some connection with that song, and then and then right away come the, the whole idea and the image in my head, and I don't have to think about it. When I hear the song, and the same time is the image with the song in my head. Gotcha. And I just call and say, hey, listen, I hear your song and I just listen it and I know what I have to do. When we can start, you know, that's it. Listen, <laughs> yeah, between the the cheese uh, making and the camel story <laughs> and the the trip to the the Tajikistan and Tajikistan. and talking you uh, talking to you about your Instagram, I I I fear there's I've sp I've taken too much of your time, but I there's so I won't keep you too much longer. But there's a few questions it's that okay. I, I'm really interested Terrible. in, and I'm so much enjoying talking to you. You know, you said something earlier that I made a little note of. Uh, you said it um, when we were almost when we began talking that your art is mostly that what you do is mostly about Iran. It's interesting to me. I wanted to come back to that because um, you've been living outside of Iran for over 20 years now. I mean, yeah, I mean two decades, basically yeah. half your life uh, almost outside of Iran. Yeah. Uh, why are you still, do you think, so um, drawn to making art about Iran? Why, why don't the events that happen around you in Amsterdam, if there's a fire down the street or a COVID problem in London, why doesn't that inspire you? Tell me about the connection you still feel oh. to commentary about Iran. Come on, John, you cannot talk, uh, ask an Iranian artist why you make art about Iran. This is, is something in, in, inside me, this is part of me. I cannot be, uh, I grew up there, I, I lived there, I, I have a family there, and, and I still want to go back, I hope, one day. And, and, and There is so many history there, and so many beautiful arts, which they made, and so many artists, and I want to be a part of this. So I can live here in, in Western country without any problem, I can make, which I do, of course I do. I do hear a lot of arts of Western work for for the company I work and there is nothing to do with Iran and they give me a large compliment for what I do. But they never satisfies me, you know. They always things make me happy to really what I want to do. It's making and, and work which uh, the people are in Iran or, or someone send me a message and is inspired of that work and is happy to to, to, to see this. You know, for me, um, it's very important. Um, I decide to be a, a, a social or, or artist. I don't want to say myself. I don't want to call myself as a political artist because uh, my work is normally social issues or, or, or environment or sometimes uh, political. But it's never been my attention. It just happens sometimes because uh -huh. of the days what we are living. 
for me is important. You know, I, I believe every people which they make art, even in, in somebody making nude photography or painting the uh, flowers, they are all arts and I respect them. But I decided to be an artist which bring this question mark in people's heads. I want to make some consciousness. I want to make some awareness in people's yeah. mind with the work that with I made. Who do you see your, or who is the, I mean, e each one of your posts, for example, on Instagram gets thousands and thousands of uh, of comments and likes. And, and who, who is your audience? If we look at the age, I think most of the audience are between 22, 3 to until 40. And of course, in, as gender, most of them, the young generation, men's are more than the women's but this is the the, 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 the age which they are following me are they in Iran the, most of the time of course in Iran of course I don't know sometimes I get the message of, of course many times from Arabic country like in Egypt in Iraq Syria Lebanon and people call you controversial do you think you're controversial mm, yeah yeah, it, it can. I am a, yeah, I am a controversial. I, I'm not an artist which we make uh, <laughs> flowers or portrait of some. Of course, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing a question mark. I bring a situation. In, 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 I bring the different levels that puts in your face. You know, of course, if it, this is a controversial, then I am a controversial artist. Do you care if if people have a? I mean, I'm thinking about the video you made, the Gladiator video with uh, Noam Jew, and there's nudity in that, and I can only imagine that there was some controversy around that. Do you? Care? Of course. So that, at that day, it, it was a big uh, problem. Many people are talking. Some people are thinking this is taboo. It, it, it is finding some artists to start to break this, break through, and bring a new idea but the thing is uh, i don't want to make some sort of band myself you know i'm an artist i, I study in western countries which is open-minded and i want to be open-minded artists i don't want to be any border of bird any border about making art because my background is muslim i come from iran i have to be careful maybe there is a woman sitting with the children watching my work i don't care about this i want to make a piece of art and the audience which they can make a connection to that that's all about and then what kind of audience they want to connect to this this is the audience which they are living in in, in iran but they have a connection with modern world they know what's art they know how to communicate with world they even speak english so this is the audience i want to speak to them and they are the future and i want to be a part of this let me ask you about being political whether you intend to or not i mean some of your your work is overtly political you have a post on your instagram where some, <laughs> someone is hanged in the middle of a crowded train when people are sort of indifferent and minding their own business i would call that political i would call your your beautiful uh, short film it was five in the morning it's called uh about the death penalty to peace to, to be political but much of a lot of the other work that you do isn't and yet uh, this is a question that we've been meditating on recently on rook and i i want to put it to you do you think it's possible for an iranian artist to not be political in the sense that everything is kind of seen through that prism or put through that funnel whether you intend it to be or not it can be because you know the thing is um, 
You know, when you are Iranian, anyway, somehow you are, you have a connection with politics, you know, even if you escape from, they come to your work, you know, but uh, I always, I myself, I always try to not be really political. I always want, even if I make work about political situation or about uh, issue with political uh, problems, I don't want to choose parts or this is a good way and that's the bad way. I just want to make them and, and then bring them the message. But I don't want to judge myself that in that work, you know, I don't want to give them a people you have to think that way or you have to think this way. Uh, this is good. I don't I don't want to do this and I'm never trying to do this. The, the, the reason to make uh, the work of someone hanging or executing middle of the the metro in the, in the subway it was because you know um, this uh, situation you know hanging people in front of the public in Iran is a normal thing you know it's uh, happening all last 40 years and yeah. you know this kind almost, of almost this, like the, people are, are becoming numb to it is what the, the message exactly. seems to be um, tell me about this recent film that you're you're working on about censorship in Iran what's the what's the focus there uh, to not giving up and if you want to proceed your dream you have to try and just go for it it has been uh, so profoundly interesting <laughs> talking to you that uh, Cheers, of, co man. of course of all the things that you've been you've said and all the things that I've learned all the insights you know what I'm thinking about I, of course I'm thinking about the two camels I'm thinking about Tale, <laughs> Tale who you left Tale. You, I, you know Tale. the the part the heartbreaking part for me is that you left the camels you know you if I were you I would have knowing that you couldn't travel with the camels I still would have come out with the camels taking care of the camels having bonded with them maybe you could have brought them back to Mashhad and they could yeah, have you know, finished their life instead of being slaughtered you were heartless to leave Tali alone there you know I know what you mean it, this is also this is the good way of looking to that situation it's very <laughs> romantic <laughs> but the uh, in the in the reality, it was not. Really it was not practical to return, <laughs> not, to, to return with no, the two hobbled camels. <laughs> yeah, because you know, I told you I was really young and very energetic. I have to do this. I want to be next Marco Polo, but in, in practice, it was not. It was not done. No. <laughs> Mustafa John, thank you for this. Be safe. Um, Cheers, man. I, I can't wait to uh, to come visit you uh, in a post-COVID world and to uh, really? be taken to the farm. Um, next time, yeah, exactly. If uh, next time you are here in Amsterdam or in Uwe, let me know, come to check oh, the, the farm. Wait. It's beautiful. I can't it's beautiful wait. there. And thank you for the work you do. I know thank there's you. A, a lot of people who listen to Rook who are fans of yours and will really enjoy listening to this. Thanks so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you, man. Khodafis. Khodafis. Thank you, man. Bye. That is the great Mustafa Hiravi, the renowned photographer, visual artist, video, and filmmaker, known for his social, critical, and satirical approach. You can find him on Instagram at Mustafa Hiravi. We'll put a link to that on our site. Mustafa joined us from Amsterdam today.
Collins back on for Groovy Shia, the fabulous Keon, Savvy Roham joining us as well. Oh my God, I'm still, uh, I'm just thinking about that camel story. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I've, when the last time I've laughed so, laughed so much in an interview. He threw me off there. That, the cheese making, the, you know, playing soccer, playing oh, net in Tajikistan. <laughs> Wow, Mustafa Heravi, I am so in love with him. That is, uh, well, that was fun. Jeez, um, oh, uh, Keon. I have this strange, sudden urge to go out and buy a camel and go through the desert. You need two. <laughs> it looks, yeah, you need it looks two. better with two. I get it. I get his point. You know, the first time I read The Alchemist, I had this fantasy built that I would go out in the desert with a bunch of camels. This guy went out and actually did that. I'll try to at least. <laughs> Uh, Who is this Tale, man? Tale, Tale, and the other yeah. camel. <laughs> uh, this guy is a character. Uh, I mean, uh, his and his work is is uh, you know for all that fun and games. I mean, he's just he's a fascinating artist. But yeah. what a, he's definitely a unique personality. The idea of um, he finds the tape and the and the the kiss tape, yes. you know, and and uh, uh, that's his sort of portal into alternative culture yes, is, wow. is finding this cassette tape of the band kiss uh, by wow. seeing his art i had some guests that he has a good sense of humor but you know he is really yeah, he's a character yeah, he yeah. is a character i, I wonder i mean he lives in amsterdam <laughs> I, I, I wonder if, if before this interview, <laughs> yeah, I wonder if there was point. some imbibing of some. Uh, I mean, he from the get go, he was just having a good time today. He yeah. was uh, he was rocking and rolling there. I mean, maybe it's just the sheep and the <laughs> yeah, the maybe. cheese. Uh, you know, I don't know. You yeah. know, but uh, uh, Savvy Roham, did you enjoy that? Yeah, very much. It's, uh, Thank you, Savvy Roham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Solid as a rock. I got the image of Borat when he was describing his stint <laughs> in the soccer team. But which country was he? Uzbekistan. Not Kazakhstan. Like, what? <laughs> Poor guy. Uh, uh, Tajikistan is a lovely place. Yeah, I'm Let's sure. Not, uh, <laughs> oh man, what yeah. a, I mean, he's like, and, and he turns up in all these places, and there's always a story. Like, but see, that's follow, how life should be lived. Like, I, I, like he just he felt like making cheese one day and he went out to a farm and decided to learn isn't that's yeah. beautiful says the woman who yelled at her boyfriend <laughs> <laughs> preemptively before know, he delivered the jewelry that he had brought to for be, her. i aspire to be like mustafa i yeah. just will never and, get that and at the end of the day he lived his life like marco polo you yeah, know? yeah he's always traveling and it's traveling. true i mean he's on an adventure yes. this guy i mean even just during covid he's like i got bored after a few days of posting things so he starts to email to like who even thinks of, i'm gonna email farms to see who i can go to work on a farm I feel like to make cheese. cheese today and, I, and when i was like uh, do they know who you are they, no they don't know who i am wow oh, amazing listen i know we've got letters to get to before i get to letters i want to give a, a shout out to some of our new patrons uh i talked earlier in the show you get you know the rock stars and the uh, of course our um for for twenty five dollars a month, you're an idol. For ten dollars a month, you're a BFF of ours. And uh, I want to mention some of them because we really appreciate this. Uh, if we have an idol named Massa Yousefipour, who's in Toronto. Uh, she, I just want to mention her because she was on the one of the first people, I think maybe even the first person to sign up, and has consistently been supporting Rook. So a big thanks to Massa. Uh, thank you so much, Massa Yousefipour in uh, in North York, not far oh, from where wow. we are. And um, we also have some new BFFs, Shirin Karamifar, uh, Amir Fouad Farshi, 
Ford. For Ort Farshi. And uh, Sahar Khan Bolokiri, mm-hmm. who is, uh, I, I know her, she runs the Sahar K. Boloki uh, Art Gallery. It's a new Persian art gallery mm-hmm. in Toronto and Yorkville. It's fabulous. She represents some great artists. Thank you so much to Sahar. You can support us and become a patron at rookmedia.com. All right. It's Monday. It is time for Letters of the Week. All right. What do you got for us? So two weeks ago on episode 81, we had an in-depth inter- interview with uh, Shahriar Mandanipur, one of the most accomplished and successful writers of contemporary Iranian uh, literature. So on Facebook, we have Nazila Rafizadeh says, Well done, Rook team. Shahriar Mandanipur had amazing stories from his life, some heartbreaking, some sweet. The memory of the failed bus crash assassination felt like a permanent wound in his words. You know, that's another interview, very different from Mustafa Heravi, but I, I really hope people will go back and listen to that if you've not done so already from a couple of episodes ago. What a beautiful storyteller. Yeah, he's... I mean, he's literally a beautiful storyteller as his job, but but um, uh, even within that interview, some of his uh, uh, his anecdotes and some of his ideas were just gold. I, I, I want to actually go back and listen to it myself. Mm. Thank you to Shatiar and thank you to that letter, uh, uh, writer Nazila. Yes, that's yeah. right, yeah. So as well, a few weeks ago, the question of what the English equivalent of the word arazade came up, um, and that was. I I what did, what did we say it was? It was like a. Uh, we couldn't figure. We said like Trump Junior, right? Don yeah, Junior. Yeah, I mean, uh, it, we discussed that it's not necessarily the son of the Ahund. It's mm. the son of the guy who works in the government. Mm. And all okay. That, yeah. All right. yeah. So a few people wrote about that specifically. We have on YouTube username Yurik Beg wrote, the closest concept to Arazade I have heard in Canadian context is trust fund baby. Oh, okay. True, that could work. Can an Arazade be a, a, a woman? Or no? Yeah. yeah. Like, can yeah. Ivanka Trump yes. be an Arazade? Yes, yes, hmm. yes, yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah, so then uh, we have a Marjan Hajfurush Hodge, emailed us to say... Hello, Rook team. I'd like to reply to the discussion that you had on Monday regarding the word, what word would better describe Arazade? I think nepotism would be the answer. Thank you for your program. I really enjoy your show. Yeah, nepotism would work too. Although nepotism doesn't feel big enough somehow. Mm. It feels like, uh, because nepotism can be any kind of uh, showing favor to a progeny, showing favor to your son or daughter. Oh, so this sounds like... Uh, it's very specific to Iran. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't really come up with an exact word. Right. But uh, but anyway, as well, uh, two weeks ago on uh, It's All Persian to Us, the segment, I brought up the fact that the Persians invented the high heel. That's right. Persian men invented yes, the Persian high heel. Yes, Persian men. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. We have a Sarah Swanson wrote, Fun fact, I learned about Persians inventing the high heel when I visited your very own Bada Shoe Museum in Toronto. Oh. Yeah. I've never been. Have you? I have been. I'm, why don't I remember the Persian high heels? I guess mm. I, I should know that. But that, no, yeah, it's a, it's a. I mean, it's a big shoe museum. Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you, sir, for that, Sarah. And then on Instagram, we have Shaheen Bahrai wrote. You know what, guys? I sometimes really enjoy listening to your preliminary conversations you have amongst yourself. Super funny. 
whatever you get from your friend is precious, he wrote in quotes. And that's referring to that, uh, what did you say about the COVID? Hacha as dus resad. Yeah, that's why I thought was the thing I learned last week. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, Gian. <laughs> whatever you get from your friend is precious, including COVID. <laughs> right? Oh, crazy. Uh, and he says, you guys are doing great. Well, thank you, Shaheen. Thank you, Shaheen. And then we have username only Canand wrote, "This hard work will show soon. The whole Rook team is doing simply awesome." Thank you. Thank what do you mean show soon? Isn't it already showing? <laughs> I Are we so doing too. a good show? <laughs> you know, if you guys, the show will actually be good soon. <laughs> One day you'll get yeah, there. Just stick at it. Thank you. Uh, and then we have Arash Kiani wrote. Please stop referring to the Persian community in Toronto as Tehranto. Mm. It's lame and the Iranian community is much more diverse and colorful than just one city in Iran. People come to Toronto from all over Iran. Tehran is not the center of our community, nor is it a representation of our rich culture and history. Wow. <laughs> I get I get what he's trying to say. I mean, there's more cities in Iran than Tehran. Yeah, like, it, well, I, yeah, I understand what he's trying. I've never thought about that, that it would somehow be seen as we're, we're kind of only referring to Tehran. Mm. But uh, I think he's being a little literal. This uh, Who's this? This was Arash Kiani. Arash I think I think maybe you're being a, uh, too literal. I mean, as somebody, first of all, I've lived in the city for like 40 years, so I can, I can, I can say, you know, uh, that I think uh, it's okay for us to call it this. I think the it's a it's a short term. It's a it's a it's a short form uh, used to express something in the same way as Tehranjali to express that there's a lot of Iranians here. I don't think we have been using it a lot. I think partly we had After Hill on mm. the show, and he's called his mm. album right, Tehranto. Right. Yes. So of course we're gonna. But I don't think it's lame necessarily because I think it's a it's a conjunction that is um, in a little tight little package explains that th- this city has suddenly had this very suddenly had this infusion of Iranians. And the truth of the matter is between Shepherd, uh, if you live in Toronto or anywhere near it, you know these places, Shepherd and Highway Seven along mm-hmm. Young Street. It's it's yeah. pretty Persian at this You're point. You're right. Um, but I guess he's saying. What if you're from somewhere else in Iran? Yes. Yeah. yeah, and also f- uh, for for Tehran, I'm not talking about Tehran jealous, but for Tehran, I think the the the, sa- the sonic is actually important. For example, if you say Shiraz, it doesn't have that feeling. I mean, because of Tehran. Of course, of course, yeah. The the charm of it is that you're taking Toronto and calling it Tehran, and you're sort of. But I just think it's maybe he's being. A little sensitive, a little too yeah, literal. Yeah, yeah. To, to where I don't think people are necessarily saying that and thinking, oh, that means that all the immigrants who came from Iran Te- from to Toronto Tehran. must be from Tehran. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, but you know, it's also. Uh, it's a good point in the sense that we don't, you know, Toronto is not Canada. And for people who live in other parts of Canada, if you went to another country and said, oh, you're from basically Toronto, and they'd be like, no, I'm, no, I'm from Calgary, I'm from the East Coast, I'm from the North, you know. So I get that, Toron- that Tehran, uh, that somebody would be offended by just suggesting that all of Iran yes. is Tehran, but it's a conjunction. Yes. Uh, mm. I sense we've probably invited some more mail on this conversation. <laughs> Can't wait to read yeah, them. Yeah, let's bring it up. Come on. Oh. And on that note, it's time for the letter of the week. Oh. Oh, this week's letter of the week goes out to uh, a username on uh, Instagram, Bahram YYZ. 
Where's ba- where is Bahram from? I believe he might be f- uh, from somewhere in Canada. I, I don't know no. specifically. Oh, Keon. YYZ. Oh my God! Can we re-edit that? YYZ is yeah, Toronto. That's right, Toronto. <laughs> Clearly from Toronto. Yeah. R.S. Kiani is loading his pistol to come uh, come after <laughs> us now. Uh, Bahram June wrote to us saying, "Love your show, Gian and Gang." I used to watch you on TV two decades ago with those massive sideburns of yours. <laughs> you had sideburns? Oh, man. I oh had this man. whole sideburn phase. Rough time. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> well, uh, he says, we met in 2014 during one of your on-road shows. You told me, It made me giggle. Keep up the excellent work, Gian and team. Oh, thank you, Val. He's aging me a little bit. I don't think I was on TV two decades ago, but I'm gonna Google. I'll take it. I'll take it. I have. Uh, I'm gonna Google you with uh, sideburns. sideburns oh, now. Man. I was rocking the <laughs> sideburns. Yeah, I really liked them for a while there. All right. Well, thank you, Bahram. Thanks to all of our letter writers. Thank you again to our patrons. Thank you to Mustafa Heravi. This is full time for Rook for today. Go to our website for all things Rook. All of our episodes are there. All the editions of Hospitality, the editions of It's All Persian to Us, all of our guests, and ways to support us. Rookmedia.com. Thanks to the amazing team who put this show together each week. Producer, Susan, Ponsa the Artist, Thoughtful Nagin, the fabulous Keon Savvy, Roham, Aray Merdad, Master Muhammad, Chef Haas, Captain Reza and Groovy Shaya. Thank you to all of you out there supporting us and sharing our content. Please subscribe if you've not done so already. Rest in peace, Chick Corea. You can find me on Instagram at Giangomeshi. And as ever, please, I implore you, Mizunbashi. Bashi.